Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Esoteric Gaming Podcast. This is a weekly podcast detailing some of our insights and opinions into the industry of gaming. I'm Per, and with me, as always, I got my two co-hosts, Lex. Hello. And Dez. Hello, hello. So today we got some fantastic topics, but before we talk about anything, gentlemen, I wanted to let you know something. Uh Uh-oh, what's that? The gaming AI apocalypse is coming. It is here. Oh, no. Our Our AI overlords have joined us. And we're no longer dealing with like little ghosts in Pac-Man. They're getting smart. They're making advertising c- copy in my world, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and they're teaching kids that you don't need to write an essay. You can just let a computer do it for you. <laughs> it's I, coming for us. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it. Which I find yeah. so funny because so for those that are kind of don't know what I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this podcast know, knows there's this like super advanced ai out there called chat g p p d p t g p t g p t it's it's weird <laughs> weird three letters to say together. just call it clippy let's just call it clippy guys <laughs> it's clippy. yeah it's clippy <laughs> it's clippy and anywho um there's just been like reports of students that are essentially getting the ai to write their essays for them and it's like really good essays and it's like the the school boards are like blocking the the ai from being on the their computers and i'm like well, they can just go to the home to their parents' computer and you know. Yeah, write that's the like a that's a terrible stopgap measure. That oh, it's work. terrible. So, anyway, uh, today we are going to be talking about. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Des, but it is a it's a bot by the name of Nexto, correct? Nexto, yes. Yeah, so we're going to be chatting about Nexto and how that bot has been taking the Rocket League world by storm in beating out players. Now, this is nothing new. Um, but then we're also going to be chatting about um, the EU passing recent legislation. So this is kind of like breaking no, not, news. Not, le- not legislation, a resolution. Or a resolution, correct. Yeah. They've been passing a resolution with regards to the banning of loot boxes, but also taking a look at how um, children are, I mean, and this is also nothing new, but how children are addicted to video games and how the government can intervene to some degree, whatever that looks like. But before that happens, we are actually going to be taking an esoteric dive into the world of our gaming. And so to start us off tonight, um, we are each going to take a five minute segment and just talk a little bit about what have we been playing, what's been on our minds and kind of what's, uh, what's the future of our kind of personal gaming look like looking like to some degree. And so to start us off, Des, what have you been? What have you been up to in the world of esoteric gaming, to some degree? Well, I've actually been up to. There's two things that are kind of been on my mind. Number one is I've been grinding Rocket League. Uh, <laughs> I, surprise, surprise! Which is why. The, <laughs> oh, tell why us more. The, <laughs> the bot came up, but I've hit Diamond Two, um, which is kind of a significant milestone for me. I'm really trying to get to that Champ One, Champ One level in twos, um, but it's. It's really, it's really fun um, grinding Rocket League because so much depends on your teammates and your state. I'm getting to the level where how warm warmed up I am can make a huge difference. Yeah, in how well I play. Um, so that's fun. But yeah, and then I saw recently that Nexto, the bot, the bot's been out for nine months, but the Nexto has been recently spotted in competitive play so that's where our topic came came up from Ooh, yikes 
that's that's not but the other thing that i've been kind of really thinking about is i want to go back i've been i got into the resident evil movies recently and so i want to go back i've never played the resident have you watched the uh wonderful just absolutely wonderful netflix series (laughs) i have i have I watched two episodes of it. <laughs> and then you're just like, nah, I'm good. And then I just can I, I I probably will watch the rest at some point, but I just I didn't it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Yeah. The movies I, I was actually shocked. Uh the movies literally play like they, they watch like you play a video game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I enjoyed the first I enjoyed the original movie a long time ago. That was a fun movie. So are you playing yeah. like all the older Resident Evils or just like... The so, yeah, that's what I want to do is I want to go back oh, okay. and play Resident Evils from the beginning. Um, I just, I haven't done it yet because I've never played them. It's kind of, I figured out the the number one most, um, the big number one biggest by revenue, I think, uh, horror franchise on the, over the, it's been out for like, what, 20 years or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Long time. 20. I remember watching it in my 20s, so it's, it's old. Yeah. yeah, I think twenty five guys. It's almost as old as me. <laughs> That's crazy how some of these franchises have gone through so many iterations. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome. You know what's funny? Uh, speaking of old video games, uh, do you guys remember the Splinter Cell series? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, <laughs> I guess there's an article on PC Gamer twelve hours ago was written by uh, Rick Stanton. He wrote an article called. Marines use met or oh no not Splinter Cell sorry Metal Gear it was uh, Marines use Metal Gear cardboard box trick to fool AI robot and then the quote below it is you could hear them giggling the whole time <laughs> <laughs> so essentially they were able to trick an AI robot by hiding in a cardboard box because you know why not right why not yeah no, why funny. not no that's awesome. Uh, and Lex, what 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 have you been up to in in your gaming adventures oh, as of late? Been kind of a slow week, but a couple of games that I've got on the plan. There's two of them. Um, I'll talk about the first one real quick. There's there's a game called Kenshi that came out about three years ago. I was gonna say, I feel and, like I've known that game. Yeah, I've played about an hour and a half of it, and it reminds me of a little bit of what Mountain Warblade tried to do, where you sort of join an open world and do things. So far, it's like you start with one character in a very post-apocalyptic kind of environment that is a mix of low technology and high technology. And a whole bunch of, I could tell there's a bunch of factions and cities and things, but sure. so early in that I could really tell. I will say so far, my adventure has consisted of going out of the town. Uh, <laughs> it took taking a little while to figure out how to mine because there's money in that. Let's see, then I got hit by a group of bandits and got left to die and was bleeding out and fairly sure my game was about to be over when a random guard showed up and patched me up. So I got to continue on that adventure. I don't think I lost a limb. I think I came close to it. Like you can lose limbs. There's like a whole discussion of what happens when you lose a limb. And I'm so you could build a squad the, the, you can do building, crafting, you can build a squad, you can involve yourself in the world. From what I can tell, it's real open world. It doesn't have a storyline you have to do or anything like that. It's, yeah, it's, I'm you, looking you at go, it right now. It looks insane. You go, it's actually a, a fun little game. I've kind of hesitated because it's one of those, do I want to put the time in to really play you know it? What game, all the settings? You know what this game looks like? It's got real Star Wars Galaxies vibes to it. 
Maybe a little bit. Um, I will. Some of that is because the world is that used future past kind of world where the you, you have everybody's walking around with little swords, but there are laser guns and things you can get if you have the right kind of equipment. And there's books containing very fancy technology. And from what I can tell, there's places you can go that have you know old hidden technology. Um, I would probably play this one. I've, I've some of the discussions are it can get a little grindy. A lot of people are actually waiting for the uh, sequel. There's been an announced sequel. Oh, wow. Yeah, a prequel technically, but they're going to make another one. I will say that I what I really liked about it and have enjoyed so far is uh, that kind of game is you know, I, I play a lot of more indie kind of games and that that one's one where it's pretty open and it, it's not leading you by the hand like I don't really know what I'm doing. And the help manuals are okay, but for the most part, it's like I'm experiencing the game by not really having a clue and then discovering the game as a play. And that's actually been kind of fun. Uh, That's actually a really fun way to do it if yeah. if the game kind of really Well, works it, with that format. it's clear that it's a fairly unforgiving game. I, I'm actually okay with games that are kind of punishing as long as they're not brutal. But... Uh, I enjoy that one. So the other one that I'm wanting to get into, that's this is the one I'm really like, I'm going to play this one. I need to go all Stellaris and really read all the wikis and learn all of it is a game called Terra Invicta, which, Oh, okay. yeah, this one's interesting. It, it's, it's like they took the concept of XCOM and basically put a, Oh, this one. Yeah, okay. yeah, so, I'm so looking take at it now. like, Like Europa Universal is EU4, a classical paradox type game where you've got a world and you've got factions and you've got control. And instead, you play factions that manipulate governments. So like you spend a lot of the early part of the game trying to get control of governments and gain access to their technology and abilities, all while the alien ships show up. And I haven't really gotten deep into the alien invasion, but it's clear that the aliens are showing up and they're messing with Earth's politics and different factions have different preferences to how they want to handle the aliens. And then there's quite clearly a tech tree. So there's a layers of this game. And in countries are very much like modern countries. Like if you get control of the Soviet, or Russia, not Soviet Union, if you get control of the Russian Federation, you get access to a large amount of nukes, which is a thing. You could, you know, you're fighting aliens, nukes are on the table. Or you can do the same thing with the United States, or you can deal with small countries and, and sort of backdoor your way into power. I do like the concept that when you control a country, the country is its own thing, but you're the one really telling them what to do. So there's Yeah, this, I hate you to know, tell you, Lark, I played this yeah. game. <laughs> I did, but I refunded it. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> yeah. It looked cool. Oh It looks no. cool. And I think Not your I think it not your type of game. No, and you know what? Though, like, it does look like your type of game. And Yeah. I, I think people I, I knew almost right away that going into it, like I felt like it was going to be more of a, like a four X war game simulation, but it's more of like a board game sort of sim like turn based kind of thing. Well, it's literally Yeah, it's, turn it's based, actually. There's turns. well, it it uses sort of a pseudo turn based Yeah. approach, but yeah, it it's clearly about manipulation of world politics in a structured way. So yeah, so Yeah. there's those are the two that are kind of on the table right now. No, oh, that's awesome. And I guess what I've been up to is uh, me and Lex had a previous conversation just before the podcast, uh, just about a game called Cosmeteer. Um, it's sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, it's like if Space Engineers was like 2D and um, 
you really enjoy like really epic space battles and lots of fleets and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I've just been really enjoying it. It's been uh, really. Oh, sorry, Lex. No, there there was a game. It reminds me of a game that came out, like a ship designer game, came a long time ago, where you'd build ship designs and then send them after other fleets. It's got kind of that take to it. It does. It really does. Yeah. And the cool thing about it too, I really appreciate is the fact, like you said, Lex, is strategy really does matter in this game. Uh, funny enough, like at first I was kind of like pew pew, like space battles, but now it's 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 definitely gotten to the point. Like I've upgraded my ships quite a bit. It's gotten to the point now where it's like it's not so much about like like you said uh, before the podcast. Each fleet has like specific ships that do specific roles, and these roles have to be played out in like orchestra sort of tandem, if that makes sense, in order for you to have a successful battle and not be completely obliterated. Um, so that's the one. Sorry. What I like what I liked about what well, I play, played a little bit of it is that it it's fairly unforgiving in the ship the sense Oh that yes. <laughs> it's not all Star Trek with ships with massive shields and no. you know the shields are at thirty percent captain, you know, that thing. It's like your ships are getting <laughs> beat up while you're fighting, right? It's like it's more like old World War II style ships where they're cannoning each other the whole time and they're fighting, but half the ship is getting blown to pieces while they're fighting. Like it's I could see a little bit of that. So it looked pretty fun. Yeah, no, 100%. And I guess a game that we all, I can say mutually, probably, maybe Lex, question mark, but I'm pretty sure he is as well, um, is obviously Kerbal Space Program 2. So it's coming out uh, next, this upcoming February. Um, I'm and it so looks, excited. Yeah, it looks just absolutely fantastic. I was almost tempted to take some vacation days off just to go I'm, play it. I almost never play a game like that when it first comes out. Uh, one because I'm waiting for the mods that allow me to do the things I really <laughs> want to do, and two because the release is usually pretty buggy. But I'm going to end up playing it. I'm certain. I enjoyed the first yeah. one. Yeah. No. Deal. You know what's funny, Lex? You say that, and I'm actually almost on the same page you are because it seems like it's going to be very early access, and I'm like, fantastic! Like, I'm so happy for the people that are there to do that. But definitely, like, I've played Kerbal Space Program. I am looking for like the colonization, the interstellar travel things. Those are the things that I'm really excited about. So, and it doesn't sound like that's going to come right away and that's fine. Uh, you know what? Take your time and, you know, get it right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what's been, what's been on, what's been on my radar. But anywho, now let's take uh, an esoteric dive into the world of gaming. And talk a little bit about European unions. Um, and what was it again, Lex? It was not legislation, it's, but it's a res- it's a resolution. It's it's the beginning of something that may not go anywhere. But essentially, they there was a document put together that was voted on and passed. And I think you've read part of the document, but essentially, it is a yeah. uh, a the committee. On internal marketing consumer protection wrote a draft report i've seen the draft the the final report may be a little bit different but essentially they're one a they wanted a resolution that would sort of say hey let's let's start addressing fundamentally some of the concerns that they're seeing around uh, consumer protection particularly in what i would describe as the more exploitive things going on in the gaming industry today, the things we've talked about, the games that I, the, the things I think most people realize, right? The the monetization issues, the loot box issues, the problems of addiction, and I will say in this particular thing, it's a bit of a read. It's it's very. First of all, I'll be completely clear, it's a political document. 
And it's a political document that is written as sort of a position statement, which allows a lot of vagueness. There's a whole lot of talk without a whole lot of depth. It, it reminds me of um, a, an Isaac Asimov story in the foundation where the guy shows up and talks for three days and the guy runs through the computer just like, what did he say? And the computer says, he said nothing, right? There's a, there's a little bit of that, but there are some themes there that are really important. It's clear they're leaning very heavily on concerns about the fact that games are played by children and young people are vulnerable to a number of tactics. So that's sort of their starting point. And I think that's probably their strongest position is, look, you know, these things are, are being used by young kids. They're vulnerable. They even make a couple of points about how, how often there have been problems with children spending their parents' money without their parents' authorization, sometimes to excess, and that companies are essentially allowing this kind of behavior to occur one way or another. And so they're essentially saying that the protections need to be greatly improved. I would say that they are hitting a little bit around concerns around monetization, but not directly. Like they didn't, this isn't a paper on how monetization is bad. This is about that money can be an issue there can be some unlicensed gambling. One one thing they specifically talked about is, you know, people will gamble skins, and there's been some. I don't know if you follow, but there's been scandals around that where people are participating in rigged type uh, gambling activities, and just all the problems that happen. We have unlicensed gambling going on. Well, and the biggest... and I actually have a story about that if if we have yeah. time. Yeah. So so the so I'll, <laughs> We're I'll talk about be... Des's gambling addiction. <laughs> but, but not, not, this is not me. <laughs> But the thing that they specifically say is, you know, money's involved, um, children are involved, there's mental health issues, there's risks to what happens when children are exposed to these kinds of things. So they do mention, you know, the normal, hey, there's addiction to games. And, and I understand that's a real risk. I've, When I was younger, I would say I was probably addicted to games. It came out okay because addiction is, you know, doesn't kill you, but it's one of those, it can be an issue. But essentially they start with, there's problems with the industry and they're essentially asking for legislation to be created that start addressing this. And they specifically want to talk about things like making sure identity verification verifies age. So it's a child specific kinds of things. Um, Welcome. Let's see what's a couple other. I'll go through a couple. In addition to illegal content, harmful content can also be disseminated in video games. Their in-game communication features. Video game industry must adopt appropriate measures to protect people from harmful content. So there's some vagueness there in terms of what they're actually pushing for. But this may be the beginning of, because because I'm going to make an opinion. I feel like game companies have been so blatantly exploitive and to a degree that is so obvious that regulators feel like they have to do something. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's reached that point. So this doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to get passed. I definitely don't necessarily think it means anything in the U.S. will get passed. The U.S. is notoriously bad. We need to, chip, we need to protect the children, but we want to pass any regulation to protect them. It's this weird mix we have here. But it, but it is the beginning of some pushback. I suspect that it's probably as much a get the companies to back off on their own before we have to regulate you kind of thing. Uh, similar to happen in the United States with movies. So movie ratings today are a voluntary thing, but they were created to prevent regulation of the business. 
So sometimes when you see this kind of thing, it's about getting people to go out and do that. So that that's the starting point of this. It the same thing pass... happened with the credit card industry where they basically self-regulated and all if you accept credit cards, the credit card companies force you to to conform to security practices so that the government doesn't get involved. So I, so I think this is a start. I don't necessarily think it's going to go anywhere. My personal opinion is the behavior from the gaming companies has been so exploitive and so bad that there's going to be a push. Protecting children is a popular topic in virtually any country in the world, right? It, it's what adults do and what children do are seen as fundamentally different things in almost every society. And there's good reasons for that. And it is quite clear that children in particular are vulnerable to, or you hear the stories, oh, somebody's kid racked up $5,000 in credit cards because they, they, because the app allowed them to start, gave them that little teaser that got their credit card information and then disabled the automatic check every time feature that would require you to verify. And then the kids are basically taking advantage of that. It's like, I'm not saying the company did that deliberately, but let's just say that if they did it deliberately, it would surprise me. And so when you get to that bad, like when you just start getting to the point where you're, you're one, you're, you're hurting children, you're hurting the community, and there's concerns about loot boxes in particular is essentially your real money's being involved and we're not getting our taxes. Those things can, can really push towards real changes. So I think it's a start is what I'm thinking. I, guys... I personally don't think that this is, is going to make it. Uh, it Maybe it's a start. I just don't personally think it's going to do anything. I I can see that. I, I don't know how good the EU really is at, at getting these things through the door. And there's it's just little... there's too much money involved with the the gaming companies. They need something coming down the pipe that's a little bit more imminent uh, to to make a change. So I will say that, but I will say, for example, like tobacco companies. There are some lines in which a major corporation is forced to rethink their approach. And I will say this, it is a fundamentally disliked aspect of the business, hated by almost everybody involved. Like the only people that really like these behaviors are the money players. And yep. when you get to that point, so the only time that major popular legislation overrides companies is when it's got enormous public support that that can actually get companies to back off. And the behavior has been so abusive. You will not find, I will find very few people that think almost anything going on in the monetization is good. Like it's seen as a bad thing. And because yeah, the companies so, have been so blatant about it as to just completely discard anything. Sorry, I interrupted you. Well, I just, so my anecdote is I got into CSGO at one point. Um, uh, just wanted to see how good I could get with some dedicated time. And the answer was not very good. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> and conclusion, he <laughs> didn't go out. Um, Little did he but know. But in the, in the middle of that, I, I ended up in a discord with some uh, high schoolers um, and we were playing together and they were much better than I was, but we had fun. Uh, and at the end of one of the session, uh, they were like, hey, let's let's open some loot boxes. And this one kid spent two thousand dollars on his parents credit card. 
on loot boxes. Wait, wait, wait. Let's back up. Let's back up. Were you there when it happened? I was there when it happened. I Did you tell the kid like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing this? I went into observant mode. So I wanted to see what was about to happen. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be parent right now. Oh my god. If this goodness. was my kid, I would be very uncomfortable with this. He up un- opened up loot boxes that were probably worth about ten thousand dollars in total. Oh my goodness gracious. So and come to find out, because I started asking questions, right? And come to find out this is not the first time that this had happened. And the first time that his this had happened, his parents got really upset and they took all the money away. And then, uh, so he's doing this for the second time. And in order to do this, he actually had to, because they put some security controls in place. So he actually had to go into his mom's purse, get his mom's phone and do something on the phone to allow this to happen. This, this story is why I think regulation is possible. Normally, well, but... on on most things, people are just going to be laissez-faire. But so you know how you parent... had the hot take, uh, Lex, the other day about the fact that, like, you know, the people getting scammed from Logan Paul's digital beanie babies, you know, they're the ones at fault because, you know, it's the it's the greater idiot theory, right? That you were kind of explaining that and somebody... I, and I made a, I made a specific exception for children. Yeah, but here's where where it goes where I'd say, here's my, here's Paris hot take, you know? So like we have in Canada, especially, um, you know, and I'm sure in the States it's the same deal, right? You know, um, if somebody wants to go buy alcohol, it's like they're getting ID'd, right? If somebody wants to come buy uh, a violent video, like an M-rated video game in Canada here, I don't know about the States, but in Canada, especially like you can't do it, right? You have to be over the age of 18, But the biggest issue is like, so if a parent bought, you know, if if an adult, let's go that direction, but if an adult bought like liquor for their kids, right? And let them drink, there would be consequences to that, right? And at the end of the day, I really do believe that, because here's my, here's kind of what really irks me to no end is when like parents are like, they don't educate themselves. They don't kind of get themselves like kind of to a knowledgeable state with regards to this stuff. And then it's like, oh, they're just playing video games. I actually just brought it up while you guys were talking this article. Um, it came out one day ago. So yesterday. Um, and the, the, the title is uh, from PC Gamer. After spending six hours in Roblox, this parent deleted her kids' accounts. And you're like, oh, who, who's, who's this parent? You know, like, well, like what's going on here? This parent, she is, um, she's like a game industry veteran who's worked at like Bethsaida, uh, Ubisoft, and Bioware. So this what is, is this Bethsaida. Bethsaida. Oh I'm, I'm not sure what this is, but Beth. Beth says. <laughs> but anywho, back to the point. You know, especially then when we come to monetization, bringing it back to the topic at hand. You know. We have situations where it's very much like there's some like in-game transactions. Like, I don't know, but there needs to be some level of severe consequences for, I would say, parents that kind of are just like nonchalantly give these kids free reign. And I'd say like not even that, but like teach kids. They're they're kind of teaching kids um, essentially like, and I think <laughs> you guys will probably laugh at this, but you know, think back to like your early, well, not your guys' early childhood, but my early childhood, your guys' like teenage years. 
um, such games that like uh, like some of the Mario games had like slot machines in them, right? Like like Yoshi's Island and things like that had yeah. had slot machines in them. And so you're kind of teaching teaching these kids that it's like, yeah, it's okay to do this thing. You're it's okay to do this thing, and then it's going to get to the point where it's like you're going to grow up. And it's like, you're going to not understand responsible financial decisions when you're kind of consuming these games. And that's going to be a huge issue. And so the thing is, in my opinion, Lex, and you, I think you already kind of said this, and I'll, I'll just say it for, for the listeners. Um, I'm not a big fan of virtue signaling. I'm really not. Like, especially when there is a big issue at hand here. Like when, 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 when people just kind of say like, oh, like, yeah, like we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, you're not going to do anything. I know that for a fact. And you're just virtue signaling because you, like somebody brought some concerned citizen brought it to your attention, and you just hope that one day it'll be swept that swept underneath so, the table. So let me let me give a counter to that. <laughs> ESR, ESRB and like the MPAA, these things are regulating things that we know are not good for children, but we also kind of know as parents our kids are going to sneak behind our back and do. Like in point, my story. Yeah, so <laughs> I know, I know full well some of the crap my son was pulling, and you know that's that's because he's a kid. I knew. And <laughs> like I knew his what son, I are you to listening do. to this podcast? Yeah. So, and, and the thing <laughs> just is, let I you know, your do, father knew. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is that I discovered the same thing about when I was trying to pull stuff as a kid. Right? Some things are just roadblocks, but when it comes to taking someone's money, people get. That's when it goes from, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want my kid doing something stupid to, okay, there's a problem, right? Scamming children is something that society does not tolerate. There's a reason why you cannot go to a casino under the age of 21 and participate, right? There's a rule there for that. And it, whether it's a good rule or not, there's a rule and the casinos do try to enforce it. And specifically because there's societal expectations of what we let kids get away with and not taking your parents money and ripping them off is not generally something we tolerate and that's when you start seeing public action now i'm not saying that we're going to give you red you know regulation in the next year to me this is more a beginning of you're talking about ripping off kids you're talking about ripping off adults, but people are less more tolerant of that. <laughs> but you're definitely talking. Well, just are like yeah. You, the, now, to be really clear, when I talk about why I didn't feel any okay for the people on CryptoZoo, it's because come on, you were playing Greater Fool Theory. You were trying to rip somebody off yourself. You were participating in an activity that was harmful to everybody, including you. Whereas the calling up grandma and stealing her money stuff, I take a very different view of. And I also don't think that parents. My issue on parents, I'll just be completely clear on. I understand the advertising business to a lesser degree than you, but I'm fully aware of the fact that advertising businesses spend large amounts of money hiring human behavior experts to get people to behave. It is an unfair fight. And to expect yeah. parents to be able to fight off major corporations entirely on their own is just unrealistic. So I think that's where it changes. Uh, but I will say, they may not actually do anything about it. I just thought it was kind of an interesting beginning is where I would, where I'd put it. No, that's great. No, I appreciate you bringing that to the forefront. Lex. So the main topic for tonight that we are talking about is, like I said, at the very beginning, the gaming AI apocalypse 
is coming, but I would even argue that it's already here to some degree. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. writing it's writing children's essays. Who who knows what it'll do next? It'll uh, it'll write cookbooks for us humans to uh, consume. I don't know. <laughs> so, Des, take us through what what was kind of happening in the competitive space of Rocket League and what what kind of the controversy was there? Because obviously there probably was controversy, but what are your kind of the thoughts about why you thought this would be a good topic to discuss tonight? So about nine months ago, uh, this bot called uh, Nexto. Nexto is the the most advanced version of it, uh, and it plays at a Grand Champ 3 level, which is one step below the highest rank in the game. Um, and the thing about this bot is the, the most Rocket League has long been considered kind of like almost immune to cheating because it's not like you can slap a an aimbot on this and you because you're trying to outplay other human players. And so where you're trying to shoot the ball is is different depending on and there's all these different like at the angle of your car and like lots of different controls. And so it, it kind of it's not easy to cheat at Rocket League with an aimbot or anything like that. But with machine learning, you can build a bot that actually can play the game uh, with modern AI uh, techniques. So, and that's what happened is this Nexto can actually play the game at a legitimate level um, and really good players. It plays better than like 99% of people in the game. Uh, and at the, nine months ago, when this came out, everybody was like, well, currently this is not in ranked. Um, the, the creators of the bot didn't create a way for it to do that, but it was a matter of time. And recently it has been observed in, in, uh, ranked gameplay. And so now, um, uh, people have been playing against the bot and you can, there's subtle clues that you can tell that you're playing against the bot. Um, and so and now so we does, are, does the bot announce itself that like, no, it looks oh, like okay. a, it looks like a legit player and you know, it's, it's doing aerials. It's doing, um, it's doing strategic positioning. It's doing uh fast recoveries. It's doing all the things that players do. It's just doing them a lot more consistently than the players can, are able to do and it, more precisely and then it has a few quirks where you can tell that it's kind of a little bit more mechanical. So the thing is, you were talking about it being a competitive play. So what exactly was happening? Were competitive players putting the bot on their accounts, essentially, and letting yes, the bot play essentially. for them? Yeah. So what was so, the benefit? Like, is, it, there's a, is there like an ELO ranking, essentially, with this? or? Yes. And it, it, um, it's long been a tradition where you will get boosted. So you'll pay somebody to play a, yeah. a good player to play on your account, boost your ranking up so you can play at a higher level. And so that's, that's a known flaw in ELO rankings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but so, that's an issue. That's an issue with ELO. It's, it's known to be an issue. Um, so, you know, you do that with a bot instead, basically. You don't have to pay a human to do it. You just do it with a bot. And then you end up in this world where theoretically, if this goes unchecked, you just end up with a whole bunch of bots playing bots. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it. And like, it's so interesting because, you know, we chat about, uh, we kind of brought it up about, you know, 
uh, this chatbot that's kind of doing all these revolutionary new things. But when does it become too much? You know, AI is nothing new. I mean, AI has been around as long as freaking Pong has been around. I mean, you used to play against Pong AI and stuff like that. And the ghosts in Pac-Man used some rudimentary AI and things like that. But then it's just like you get to this point where you get these MMOs such as a Kenshi or other MMOs out there, such as even New World, for instance, that recently had this like massive bot issue. And you kind of said it perfectly, Des, you know, that you can kind of tell when you're playing against a bot, right? And with New World, the thing was, is that they were getting, um, so if you're not familiar, New World was uh, an MMO made by Amazon, and it was an MMO where you could like do a lot of resource crafting. So you went out into the world and you you found resources like mushrooms and wood and what have you not, right? And then you came back to trading posts and used to sell it, right? And so the problem was is you had that kind of, um, there's a term, I forget if you guys know the term, but it is that like, re- oh, real world trading, right? Real right. world trading where it's, it's like gold for money, like gold for real life money. And so these bots, essentially what they used to do is they used to kind of put like copy and paste it and spam the spam the chat logs being like, you know, uh, and they'd have like 20,000 gold for like 20 bucks kind of thing and all this jazz. And so you could tell it was a bot. And the funny thing, too, was um, it actually became a funny thing in the world of New World where you actually um, people would become like vigilantes, essentially. So these bots, what they did is they use like some sort of in me or Des, you can explain it to me uh, a little bit further, but they used to use like recorded movements, right? So you would record a movement and then you let the bot just run, right? And so it's just a, it's a very simple bot. And what would happen is these bots would have like uh, recorded movements, right? So you, they would run one area, chop down a tree, run to another area, chop down a certain tree and repeat, right? And they'd run this route. And so what players did is they like nudged they nudge them. They nudge the players so that the player so that the AI would miss the tree essentially and just like run off and and so you would see a bunch of players like like there that are in the game just like running against a wall and that's all they right. were doing is because there was an AI essentially. Well, uh, and here's the thing about this AI though is the reason this is so interesting is because this level of AI actually will be able to recover because it un- it. It's almost it feels like and it it understands how to play the game. It's not not just a script that's go here, do this, go here, do that. This when the players interact with it, it will go and interact with them as if it's legitimately playing the game and it will go and chop down a different tree or work around them or redirect what it's doing, do some other task in the meantime. But then that's what's so revolutionary about these these level of bots it's just like chat gpt gpt <laughs> is like it's clippy it's legitimately hard to tell that it's not human well and so the thing is we've been chatting about how it's like we've been sort of maybe our tone has kind of said that it's like a negative thing right but like is it really that negative like in the competitive well, there's a scene, lot of positives about it yeah, because, like, I think about, like, even a game like uh, like any sort of, like, MMO, we have, like, bots and stuff like that. And, like, you know, the the, the, the reason that, you know, um, MMOs are so popular is that there is that social component, right? Right. But it's, like, what it would you guys, how would you guys feel about a world whereby, like, 
you're playing this MMO, but half the world is actually populated by bots. NPCs that actually work and and play like human. players. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. As long as they're not cheating and it's part of the game, awesome. And the reason Nexto existed, the, the creators of Nexto created it so that you could play against it and practice. Which is a total legit mm-hmm. great reason to have a a bot that is higher skilled than you are, you can go pre- play against it and practice defending against it. So like legitimately good reasons, great AIs for like even strategy games or uh, first person shooters or anything. Really, if you're playing against AI, that's not necessarily a bad game, bad yeah, thing. I, I like to play uh, like traditional war games. And the number one problem with traditional war games is that almost none of the companies that make them have the ability to rate, re- create any kind of good AI. They just they right. just can't do it, right? And so the games are famous for being it's a great game, but then you got to find an opponent because the game AI will do stupid stuff. And so yes, there's there's plenty of room for for that, and I, and I think that's a good thing in general. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I work in the machine learning field and there are a number of problems, not game issues, but there's a number of places in which you could not do things without the AI doing it. Like human beings just can't make the decisions fast enough. You got to make 10,000 decisions a second. You're not hiring people to do that. Right. Right. And so, so there are plenty of places where AI fits in. well. So tell us, Lex, why does all of a sudden we have this? world where chat gpt exists and nexto exists because this is a this is next level ai that we we've you know many people have seen coming on the horizon for a long time why why is it suddenly that we're here what's different about these so the luckiest i ever got in my life was completing a phd in statistics in 2010 right before uh, you know big data became a thing and a year later, like I get my degree and I'm like, I'm going to go work for the Census Bureau. It's going to be a boring life. And a year later, it's like, oh, my God, we got to hire every data scientist we can find to come work for us yeah, because we just yeah. don't have enough people. I'll give you the basic sort of quick answer. And that is that there was a point in about the late 2000s where computers got to the point where they could begin to implement a lot of the newer type of machine learning algorithms, in particular, the uh the ones that were very iterative. So neural networks in particular, a lot of the newer systems are built around neural networks. Now, amusingly enough, at, at my work, we don't. We actually use a lot of the competing approaches. We use a, a lot of gradient boosted decision trees, for example. So there are some other methods other than neural networks, but what these methods, so I'm gonna give you a simple answer to how these things, without, the problem is it's difficult to talk about the math without confusing people. And if you want to understand the math of this, it's, it's, every, math it's, every, it's every high school, late high school students, early college students, great terror. It's all linear <laughs> algebra. It's, it's all linear algebra and calculus. Fundamentally. Yeah. When yeah. you actually get down to it, it's, it's a whole lot of mathematical manipulations that look very much like the stuff you learned in college, but done on a very large scale. The best way to understand it is, they have increased the quality of the approximation. So, you know, if like, let's say I wanted to draw something and have you understand it's a person. Well, there was the simplest thing you do is you draw a little stick figure. 
and our brain goes, oh, that's a person. Like we, we recognize that approximation. And we go, oh, that's, that's a person. Well, then you're like, well, okay, but how do you make it clear that there's men and women? So you have to add a little bit more to it. And you have a slight general, like in America, one of the things is you'll, you'll see a figure and it'll have a woman in a dress and a man and, and pants. That's very sexist, but it's, but this is actually one of the things about AI is very interesting. It's like stereotypical patterns that immediately people recognize are extremely useful, right? And so you add a little more depth. Well, those aren't paintings. You can't see detail. And so the older methods were based on simple approximations of the real world. The traditional linear regression and logistic methods that were big for a long time, very good at describing things in approximate ways. But the newer methods are able to get into very fine detail. They're able to capture very small individual characteristics of things that previously could not be done. Now, to, get, to try to be not too mathy, essentially a neural network could be thought of as a gigantic approximation function that tries to approximate the real world in a very, very complex way. One that's actually complex enough that most engineers don't really understand like, like what it's saying. Like it's, oftentimes these things are completely uninterpretable. Like the, the, the full neural network is just doing something. And, and one of the challenges is how do you get the neural network to explain to you what it did? Because a very large neural network essentially takes it. A neural network is, is designed of the brain, but if you really think all it's doing is you take a bunch of input numbers and you take them and they go to little nodes. They used to call them, they're called perceptrons. It's an old term. And interestingly enough, they, they, I've met some of the people that design some of that stuff. And the idea is, is you put all these inputs and you send it to this little node and it does a little math function and then it outputs a result. And then you send it to a whole bunch of nodes and they do this over and over and over. And at the end, it makes a prediction. And to, to kind of like jump on that, um, one of the things about Nexto is I mentioned it was the, the most advanced version of it. There's actually been prior versions that of Nexto that um, worked at different skill levels and they would they would run those bots for you know thousands and thousands of hours playing against each other then they would tweak them and use their skills and expertise these pretty advanced skills and expertise apparently to then make the next version better and it got to the point where recently um psionics the company that makes rocket league has asked them to stop making versions of bots until they can figure out how to block them from competitive play but the sense here is that this bot has not peaked. Yeah. It, the, the elements that make it look unhuman to us now are not final. They, they are gonna, they're going to be worked out eventually. And, and one of the things that happens, like to go back to Pear's example of human beings messing it up, a modern machine learning person would actually construct adversarial examples of people doing that. And an example I saw from a, a company one time was how, how do you keep a car, a self-driving car from essentially getting attacked by aggressive drivers? The, the car is not going to cause car crashes intentionally, which means that jerk drivers can take advantage of its clear behavior. And they're like, let's write an algorithm that responds to a human being's attempting to screw it up. Right. So, and, and, right. and those methods, those methods required, the thing is they require a tremendous amount of data. And so there are some limits, like the, there's just a, only so much processing power available. And certain problems like self-driving cars are particularly challenging because you can't kill people 
people will not tolerate that, right? And so it can make mistakes, but it's imperfect and it's vulnerable to a lot of adversarial conditions where different ways of attacking it. But there has been a there has been research in the field of how to train these networks to work against a deliberate attacks. This is a big thing in dealing with security or people trying to screw up image recognition. So then bring this back to because I imagine that this would apply to Rocket League. This would apply to like any online multiplayer game. You could build an AI that would do it with sufficient skill and yeah, if, if, money. If it sees human beings taking advantage of its weaknesses and gets a chance to learn against that, it will start reacting to that. You've been real quiet on this one, Parrot. I'm curious, yeah, I'm, I'm what, curious what your thoughts are. No, I've been thinking about what you said about the fact that in the next give or take 10 years the fact of the matter is that yes we will have bots that will be much better than humans and even like you know much more conversational and it's funny that you brought it up about the fact is that you know why now right why is this happening now and like where are we going from here and i think down the road especially when it comes to back to the kind of the idea about mmos you know we will have scenarios where an mmo might be filled with populations that aren't necessarily human right and the implications of that will be has kind of yet to be seen like right now bots are seen as a negative right they're all they're all they're seen as doing is like this real world transactions right it's like you know um they're out here to exploit you and to get your money right and that's all they're here to do but But the thing you're talking but the thing you're talking about does occur there there are some cases of bots being included is shilling is a thing, right? You bring some bots in to kind of create this sense of a, a active culture. So yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a new idea. I mean, I totally buy what you're talking about. Yeah, like it, it, there's the it, there is at times when people don't want to feel lonely, and the reality is is that some of the better AI can make you feel like you're talking to a real person, and even if you're not talking to a real person, how often have we played a game? in which you're dealing with a fake character and you associate with it. Like humans are really capable of, of anthropomorphizing things we deal with. <laughs> I mean, that's just the thing we can do, right? So if, if we want the bots there and they're, they look, if they get past the uncanny valley. So yeah. I, I guess based on this conversation, what I would summarize uh, is that basically AI is now becoming an integral part of gaming. Like this, this level of AI and it's, it's, we're going to, it's already there, yeah. but we're going to quickly the... reach a point where it's, you're going to new games are going to have this level of AI built into them as NPCs and other things. I remember it's... the day I was shocked when I, like I played division one back to the division and when I played division one, I was like, okay, like, you know, AI shoot back. Yeah. What have you not? And it was good. It was fun. But I was genuinely shocked in Division 2 when the AI like flanked me, like straight up Mm. like flanked me from around. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I was like, and now I'm just so it's funny at the time it felt like such a revolutionary concept. I was like, whoa, you mean AI is actually reacting to what I'm like doing here? Like this is this is insane. And like because the thing is, the AI detects when you are vulnerable. So it detects when you're reloading, for instance, and it'll it'll press press you when you're reloading or something like that. Or and so it detects a lot of things that like humans do, right? Human players do. We detect when somebody's reloading, so we press the attack, right? And so they do as well. And so I see that it's like it was so revolutionary at the time. And it's funny now that I see it as such a commonplace thing, and I see it as a positive versus a negative. 
that there probably will come a day where, like you said, Lax, MMOs are filled with NPC, not not only NPC characters. I, I, you're totally right, C-Pair. Like, there's a sense in which, um, like, the AI in real-time strategy games, one of the ways that they made it harder, they used to make it harder, is they would just let cheat. the AI cheat. Yeah. Don't, you don't need to do that. With you don't need ones. to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 the AI today are already cheating by their ability to learn in ways humans can't. Like that's, that's an advantage that, that's already there. I, I, I will leave you guys because I've had a good topic. If you really want to understand the human aspect of this, look up Mittens, the cat, the chess playing bot, and just see the reaction people are having to a bot that was introduced that is basically like a cat persona. And how people are making videos about how wonderful it is to play Mittens the cat. It's just, a, it's just an AI. But they okay, put a cat... So... It, yeah, it's a, it's a thing, right? It's, it's because of the way we react. See, the thing about a cat is it's not a person, so the uncanny valley doesn't apply quite the same. But we anthropomorphize things. So to just give you guys am- a little bit of a timeline behind Mittens the cat here... Um, Mittens is a domestic cat who formerly lived in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, and on May of 22nd of 2020, <laughs> he was given a key to the city of Wellington <laughs> and uh, other names. This is a Wikipedia article. This is the way I looked it up. I get it. I get it. This is a Wikipedia article. No, 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 no. It goes further to say, it goes further to say that other names include Mittens, the cat of Wellington and his royal floofiness. Yeah. So, so as a, as a person with a cat in our house, I totally, I totally get it. Like I, 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 I love my cat. He's just amazing, right? So, but yeah, mittens. Look up chess mittens the butt. But it's, but it's an example of mittens is actually not the best bot out there. Like it's deliberately set to not be the greatest. Like you could beat it under certain conditions, but it's the fascinating thing about mitten isn't necessarily everything <laughs> about how difficult it is. It's the human reaction to a cat or the feeling that the AI is a cat. They gave the AI a personality that we created. Like the, yeah. it's just, we have, we have anthropomorphized a, essentially an AI because it's given to us in a form that our brain finds desirable and people are just going nuts about Lex's it. Lex's deep cuts. Sweet. <laughs> well, anywho, that has been. On that note the esoteric dive into the world of gaming this week uh you've been listening to myself you've been listening to des and lex if you do have any feedback or would like to recommend a topic for one of us to discuss for next time you can head over to our discord which where there will be a link in the description of this podcast um if you'd like to discuss what we discussed this week you can actually head over to this channel that we have called the water cooler channel and that is where all that juicy exposition happens. And uh, we're going to try to make a concerted effort to be using that a little bit more ourselves. Um, but yeah, if you did enjoy our podcast, please make sure to leave a five-star review on uh, Spotify. Or even better yet, review it on iTunes. Or even better yet, recommend this podcast to your friends. Um, I said you could recommend it to your dentist, your mother, the pizza guy that delivers the pizza to your door, anybody in particular. Uh, your favorite we, game AI. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we welcome all sorts of gaming AI into our Discord. Um, but yes, so, well, once again, guys, thank you so much. And everyone, remember, take your hand, grip it firmly around your wallet, 
and hold on tight. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. Hold on tight.